Good morning, Redeemer City Church. Good morning, good morning. Man, that song always gets me. Um, I did not know they were going to sing that song. And today, I am in Psalms 8, where David really contemplates um, some of those themes in this, in that song. Uh, when I think about that verse, as you speak, what does it say, a hundred billion galaxies are born? If the stars will worship, so will I. Like sitting with that, um, in Psalms 8, David, I can tell that, well, first of all, I can tell that he meditates a lot, right? I mean, he, he says that, he does. Um, but only sitting still can you come to the conclusion that he did in Psalms 8 and to see how beautiful it is. Uh, there's, there's three things that he can he considers right so the first one is who he is in relationship to god right if you're taking notes you can write that down who am i in relationship in relationship to god the second one is why does god even care about me I'm one person in, I don't know, how, eight billion people in the world. Why does he care about us? Why would he spend time with us? That's three. Why would he even spend time with us? So I found myself contemplating this, uh, these same things that David did. Um, And I remember, I remember being, it was, it was probably 10 years ago, this is pretty, it was late, and I have this app on my phone, it's called the uh, Stargaze app, I don't know if you guys ever heard of it, it's called Stargaze, and, and so you open up this app and you can, I don't know if you can see it, but you open up this app and it will show you like the, the universe, right, and I could kind of point, you guys probably can't see this, but I could kind of point and like, oh, there's Neptune, and oh, wow, there's, there's the moon, okay, there's Venus, and then I can kind of go all around, okay, there's the sun, the sun's there, got the horizon there. I can even go below me and see what's going on. And I was just, you know, it's late, I'm looking at stars, <laughs> bored, I don't know, right? And I was doing that, and then also was going to my Bible, and I don't know if I ever read Psalms 8 at the time, but I just kind of stumbled upon it. I don't know. I was in De Deuteronomy, and, and somehow I was ended up in Psalms 8. There must have been a cross-reference or something. I don't know how it happened, but I'm in Psalms 8, and uh, let me read it, and then we'll, we'll break it down verse by verse. But this is where I kind of just sat with the, the weight of what's going on here, like David did here. So 
It, it says this. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingertips, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you would visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all the sheep, oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. It's beautiful. Notice in verse 1, our Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Notice his first posture, right, is adoration towards God. Whenever you come into the presence of a king, right, you honor the king. You don't just come into the presence of the king and say, hey, what's happening, king? You know, hey, this is what I need. I need this, this, and this. Get it done. Zip out. That never happens, right? Every medieval show that I've seen, you give honor to that king. How much more should we, right, give honor to the king of all kings, right? The Lord of all lords. How much does he deserve our praise and our glory and our honor? Number one. That's just number one, right? So the first thing is give honor and glory to the Lord. Side note, Jesus talks about this is how we pray, right? How does it start off? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thine will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, now let me get to my issues. I need my daily bread. I need you know, these things happening. And then, right? But before, he, before you even come to the presence, give glory to God. All right? Look at verse 2. Out of the mouth, the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Because of your enemies, that you may silence the avenger, the enemy and the avenger. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Pause right there. See, our God is so powerful that he has ordained strength and uses the mouth of babes for his glory. Out of the mouth of babes. That's us, right? We were once young, right? I, I'm reminded of the story of um, Moses, right? When Moses was a child, and 
you, you, everybody knows the story. You don't have to go to Exodus, but Moses is a child. Mom put him in a basket floating down the river, right? We all, do, we, do we know this story? Okay. Um, he started way behind, like in the, in the start of life, he's way behind the line, right? How did he even make it? I mean, the basket could have turned over, could have drowned, but God used him. That baby finds Pharaoh's daughter, right? And Pharaoh ends up being the enemy to God, right? Out of the mouth of babes, Moses God uses Moses to silence Pharaoh, to silence the enemy. And anybody who thinks that they'll come and avenge. God used that to let his people go. You know, Jesus refers to this verse in Matthew. um, Right on the heels of the triumphal entry. I'm going to go there real quick because it's, it's good. Matthew 21. Uh, so right on the heels of the triumphal entry, let's start in verse, uh, I'm going to start in verse 6. I'm going to start in verse 6. If you, if you have a Bible, Matthew 21, verse 6. Listen to this. So the disciples went and did what Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid the clothes out and sit it on them. And, they, and a great multitude spread their clothes on the road, Others cut off branches from the trees and they spread them on the road. And then the multitudes who went out before those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Okay. These are adults saying this. Verse 10. And when he came, when he had come into Jerusalem and the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude of people, they said, well, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, Galilee. Then Jesus went to the temple of God and drove out those who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. They were healed. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, hold on. When the chief priests and the scribes, these Pharisees, when they saw not just the things that he did, the wonderful things that he did. So they see him doing wonderful things. They're like, "Mm, I don't like this. I'm mad. Look at him healing people. Man, those are wonderful things. You know what? Mm Mm-mm. And the children crying out, mm, mouth of babes, and the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. They were pissed off. They were angry. They were hating. That's what they were doing, right? Why? Because power was being taken away. 
They said to him, do you hear what these are saying? Jesus is like in Jedi, like when he speaks. It is. He's just, Jesus, it is. Jesus says to them, he has his lightsaber sword, right? He says, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. He knows they've read, right? He knows their study. They're Pharisees, right? So he's just flipping it on them. Like, have you never read? He knows they've read. So, so here's the thing. So some Pharisees are mad and angry and indignant, right? They're pissed. But then some of them, right, they're, a small few were like started to see the truth. A small few, like two or three, I don't know. But, you know, they, they're like, hmm, I'm seeing the signs, right? But a lot of them just wanted to kill Jesus, right? So notice that God often chooses what is weak in the world to shame the strong, right? He used Moses from any other view, right? If I'm an, an alien and I'm just watching and I'm like, oh, that guy's not going to make it, right? He's in a basket and he's a goner. And then just to see, like, oh, oh the basket almost hurt. Oh, okay. Oh, hmm. A Pharaoh's daughter found him. Okay. Grows up. And then who he becomes, right? God will always, will a lot of times use someone that's less than and bring them up and make them great. So verse 3. Verse 3 says this. When I consider your heavens, right, when I think about, when I ponder, when I meditate, when I sit in silence with no distractions, right, in solitude, in my own space, in my own closet, in my own prayer room, right, when I consider your heavens, and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would visit him? I remember reading this, and I just broke down and started crying. And I was just like, I just don't know, like, who, who are we to him? And I was wrestling with that like why like who are we and I, I get it he you know he made us and I know the story and an abstraction but when I sat with it it became real to me and I just I just thought of you know I thought of art right so if you're an artist you know if you're a painter or if you you know write songs. I'm sure Josh writes songs. I'm sure Kevin writes music. You know, I think of Picasso's and Rembrandt and, and great literature or whatever, right? If someone said, oh yeah, that Rembrandt, that's mine. I'm like, yeah, the prodigal son, like, yeah, I, I did that. 
I think remember I'd be like, no, that's my work. Like I worked hard on this for years or however long it took, right? Like it's precious to me, right? So I, I get that. So we are made in his image, so we are precious to him, right? He cares about each and every one of us deeply, and he wants to know us deeply because he made us. That makes sense. If I wrote a song and someone else is like, oh, yeah, uh, I actually made that song. Or, uh, oh, yeah, you know, Jerome didn't make that song. Right? Or, oh, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't make that Peyton. Oh, that Peyton's not a real rim bat. No, no, that's not. I did that. That's like the enemy saying, like, oh, you know what? God's not real. He didn't really make you. No. That's, actually, it's me who you want to worship. Right? Which is a lie. But that's a lie that he wants. And that's why God is like, no. You are precious to me. It's funny, I wrote this down, that, you know, it's no small thing, but the moons and the stars, right, they have his fingerprint, right, the work of his fingers, right? So I was thinking, I was literally just sitting with this. The work of his fingers, the moon and the stars, they have the fingerprint of God, but they're not made in his image, right? And then he makes... The beast of the field, right? Lions are pretty cool. Lions are pretty awesome, right? They're the king of the jungle. There's, you know, there's people that have lions on their chest, and my friend has a lion right here on his, you know, arm, and it's it's pretty dope, right? It is, and it's when we think about lions, and even like the, in the Bible says the lion of Judah, right? It refers to him, but even the lion. It's not made in his image. It doesn't bear his image. We bear his image. Look at verse 5 through 8. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. That's us. For you have made, he's made us. He's a little lower than the angels. He didn't make us lower than lions. We're at the top of the food chain. We're a little lower than the angels. Right? And you have crowned him with honor and glory. He's crowned us with glory and honor. He has made us to have dominion, actually, over the works of his hands. He has put all things under our feet, the sheep, the oxen, the beasts of the field, the lions, the bears, tigers, oh my, all all of it. The birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and those that pass through the sea in the paths of the sea. Everything he's given us to have dominion over. So then I'm wrestling with that first question, right? Who are we in relationship to God? I understand that he, okay, he, he cares about me deeply. He's, he's made in his image. But do you see the manner of love that God has bestowed upon us? What does John 3.16 say? Say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, 
but have everlasting life. Listen to the first part. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. Write this down if you're taking notes. God loved, God gave. Right? We're going to dig in this a little bit. So what did God give up? Jesus. That's the answer. We all know the answer is Jesus. That's what we gave up. I'm right. Okay, sweet. Yeah, go home. That's the answer. But it's so much deeper than that, right? It's so much deeper than that. That's, we sometimes think of that in abstraction, like, oh, yeah, Jesus and God's out there, and he gave up that guy, and, you know, I guess I get to go to heaven. I'm trying to not stay out of hell. I want to not go there, so I need to be good. I'm a best behavior. God gave Jesus. Right. But let's take a look. Let's take a look at James 1.17. You can put it up, up there for me. James 1.17 says this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, from God. Now, if you were here for the James series, I went over this a little bit, right? So there's two words in the Greek here for gift. Right? There's a good gift is kalodosis, which means the act of giving, right? So God loved first, and then he gave, what did he give? He gave the object given was the perfect gift, right? The teleotorima. What's the point of that? Well, there's a lot of different words for gift in the Greek. There's charisma, the gift of grace. God could have given us, given us the charisma, the gift of grace, and it would have been good but not enough, right? Unmerited grace, that's awesome. Thank you, God. But that's not enough, Right? We need a merited mercy as well. You could have given us the calodoro, right? If someone has a, a, a birthday party, I give a present, right? I don't have to love you to give a present. Oh, man, I got to go to this party. Got to give, give them a gift. I can't stand the Smiths. Honey, do we got to go? Yes, we got to go. They, we work with them. Fine. Fine, I'll give them, I'll give them a gift. I'll give them a present. It's not what he did. He gave us the teleotorima, the perfect gift. As a matter of fact, if you look up and you Google perfect gift, it says Jesus. Actually, it doesn't, but it should. It should just say Jesus. What else is, what's the perfect gift? There's nothing else that's perfect. We should petition to change that in like Wikipedia and say perfect gift just equals Jesus, right? God loved, God gave. So he loved us first, right? But why? Why did he give us this gift? 
we know it. We know the answer in abstraction. Oh, to save the world and to save us. and You know, so we wouldn't have to. But why? I, I'm still trying to understand from, I understand from my perspective. But from God's perspective, why did he choose to give us his perfect gift? Listen to this. Isaiah 43. If you're familiar with Isaiah, it's uh, go to the middle of the book and go forward just a little bit. Right, it's about three chapters after the Psalms. So Isaiah 43, I'm just going to read just a little bit. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. This is God. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. As a matter of fact, when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt up for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place, since you were precious in my sight. You have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, I am with you. Look at verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Verse 10. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. Even I, I, even I, am the Lord. And besides me there is no Savior. 12 and 13. I have declared and saved, I have proclaimed, and there was no foreign God, lower, lowercase g, among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. Indeed, before the day was, I am he. And there was no one who can deliver out of my hand. I love verse 4. Since you were precious in my sight, we are precious in his sight. He's honored us. So what's my role? My role is to have faith in the Lord, obey God. Right? That's the best. He has the best plan for our life. I'm wrapping up here, but I want to, for more context, let's look at Genesis 12. It's the first three verses, the promises. 
to Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There's a promise. So what does Abraham have to do? Listen and obey. Have faith. Look at verse 22. Sorry, chapter 22, Genesis. I want to read this to you because this is this is really hit home for me. 1 through 14. Listen to this. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, now take your son, your only son, Isaac. Now take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. What? So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of the young men with him and his, his son Isaac. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and he rose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw a place afar. And Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey and I will, me and the lad will go up yonder and, and worship. And we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac's son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac said to Abraham, see, Isaac said, something's a little different. Listen to what Isaac said. He said, uh, Father. Abraham said, yes, my son. Um, I, I see we have, we, we have the fire. We have the wood, but we don't have the lamb for the burnt offering. Usually we have the lamb and the fire. We have all three things with us. I'm just saying right now we only have two. I don't know. <laughs> Where the lamb is. Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Okay. So the two of them went together. Then they came to a place of which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Really important to notice this. Abraham bound Isaac. Isaac didn't bound himself. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. I always, when I was younger, I had, a, I had an issue with this. 
was like, what's God doing? Like, I don't get it. Like, why is he, is he just God and I'm God and I can just do, you know, am I just testing people and just, like, you know, playing little tricks, jokes? It seems really mean. Like, why would you do that, God? Like, I don't understand. You're just showing, like, you're, you're more powerful and that I have to obey you and, and slay my son, but then you're saying I don't have to slay my son, so you're just playing a cruel, cruel joke? Is that what it is? Nope. This is beautiful, and I'm going to tell you why. This is for us. This is for us, number one. Because what it, basically what God's doing is he's saying, you're not going to do this. I'm going to do it. You're not going to have to slay your only son, your only begotten son, your flesh of your flesh. I'm going to. I'm going to give him up for a sacrifice for all of you. And this just gives us a glimpse. Abraham was faithful. He knew, well, God made promises to him. God made him a promise, right, that we just read in Genesis 1 through 3, that from him was going to become a great nation. How can it be a great nation from him if he doesn't have a son? So he knew that somehow God was either going to stop him or he was going to go through with it and God was going to raise him or he was going to have another son at 150 years old. I don't know how old he was, but he was old. He's an old man. He's like, somehow, what did he say? He said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So he's like, God keeps his promises, so I'm going to walk. Even if, it, even if it looks like I don't see the path, I don't see how, if I slay my son, then how can everything that God prompt? you know what? I'm going to have faith and just walk. Amen? Look at verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes, and look, oh, behind there was a ram caught in a thicket, by the thorns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. Yaira. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. You know what? I'm going to have the band come up and we're going to sing that song. Yaira, you're going to come up. And it means that the Lord will provide, right? And we always want to remember to give him praise. We always want to remember to give him praise. I didn't forget about verse 9, by the way. Just to let you know. Put verse 9 up there for Psalms. Psalms 8, verse 9. Because this is important. Verse 9, Psalms 8 says this. That's not it, but that's okay. I'll read it. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. It's the same as verse 1. Notice how he opens in adoration for God. 
right? Meditates, go through, wrestles with all the things that he's wrestling with. And when he comes out of all of it, he ends with adoration towards God. That sounds familiar to the Lord's Prayer, right? At the very end. Do you remember what it says? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Right? Start with adoration towards God. End with adoration towards God. Let's open our mouths as children out of the mouth of babes and give them praise. Amen?